0: JasonCharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. This is Jennifer DeLuca from Body Tonic Radio. Coming up is part two of my conversation with Cindy Lee.
1: This is Body Tonic Radio with Jennifer DeLuca on JasonCharles.net.
0: I I could talk to you forever, but I want to talk a little bit about your chaplaincy. Um, You are a formally trained lay Buddhist chaplain, and you often speak of your mentor, Tibetan Master Gallic Rinpoche. Can you tell me what it means to be a chaplain and what it did for you to have a mentor like Gallic Rinpoche?
1: Yeah, well, Gallic Rinpoche was my teacher, my guru, really from the late 80s. So I studied and practiced Tibetan Buddhism with him and I was very close with him. And he was a really incredibly loving, compassionate, fun, smart person. And in that practice, one of the practices is you focus on your guru and you focus on the qualities of the guru and the qualities of the guru are wisdom and compassion. And you get in touch with those qualities through him. And then you start to take them into your body and eventually you realize they were already there.
0: Mm.
1: You already have bodhicitta. You already have an awakened heart and you already have the capacity for compassion, but you can grow that capacity and you have a capacity for wisdom and you can grow that wisdom. You can grow all of that goodness. It's not necessarily about the the human Gallic Rinpoche. So this is really like a lineage, a stream that comes down from Buddha throughout all of Tibetan Buddhism. And so, you know, I really love the idea of, and the experience of being in a lineage and, and being with Gallic Rinpoche. And at a certain point he said to me, you know, I said, Rinpoche, I'm a terrible disciple. I'm not, I was not doing my practices. You know, there's a lot of sadhanas and prayers and things and mantras. And I, I just, you know, wasn't doing it and lapsing, you know, and I told him and he said, OK, your practice is just going to be one thing. Because he understood that I was running that big yoga studio and, you know, I just had a lot on my plate. And what's the point of stressing about not doing your practice, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he made a custom practice for me, basically, which was Bodhicitta, Bodhicitta, Bodhicitta. In other words, be compassionate. Just mm. practice and grow your compassion. That's your practice. Mm. And so that was a really powerful charge to me. And then I started going to the Upaya Zen Center. I I died a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I started going to the Upaya Zen Center because I was very interested in the work that they do there. And in particular, the abbot of that Zen Center, who's Roshi Joan Halifax. And, and I went there to several retreats and I got involved and I took I took vows with Roshi Joan and then I decided to go into the chaplaincy training. So she was really the mentor for me in the chaplaincy training and a chaplain. Actually, the word comes from a story of a man named St. Martin of Tours, and he was riding through the countryside in France and it was pouring rain. And he saw a man on the side of the road who didn't have a you know umbrella or whatever people might have had back then, uh, didn't have a coat, and he was drenched. And so St. Martin of Tours got off his horse, took his cape off, and he cut it in half. And he gave half to the man on the side of the road, and he came, gave half to himself. Mm-hmm. And so this is, in a way, the idea of chaplaincy is being helpful, mm. but also taking care of yourself. And Another way we talk about it is walking alongside. So, you know, it's not about fixing anybody, but it's about walking alongside. Um, the tenets of chaplaincy are not knowing, mm. you know, just being open, mm-hmm. open to other people, not thinking you know what they need or you can fix things, but being willing to listen and to walk into a situation and um, and bear witness, which is the second one, listen and The third thing is then take action. Is there a way that I can be helpful? And what would that be? And maybe it's being quiet and sitting and listening. And maybe it's buying a bus pass for someone so they can get to work or working in a soup kitchen or, you know, a hundred million ways that are calling us all the time, you know? And so that's what a chaplain means. And that's the idea of, of the work of a chaplain. And then every chaplain has their own path you know some people work in traditional situations like a hospital where the where the need is great or in a prison and it seems to me that my karma around it is that training people to teach meditation seems to be the offering like my course that I taught at Kripalu last year had a parole officer Mm. Had a captain from the NYPD Mm. who is now running a wellness center for the NYPD um, and teaching meditation and yoga. An oncology surgeon Mm. who wants to teach the other surgeons how to meditate and be mindful before they walk through the swinging door into their, you know, surgery theater, operating theater. I had a woman who's a social worker in the last existing social work facility, state-run social work facility in the state of Massachusetts, who came to my class because they were really depressed. The, The people working in this facility were getting burned out because the staff had gotten so, you know, they'd cut staff, so there wasn't enough people there. So they're all working too much, but they're dedicated and they feel the need and they're starting to feel kind of demoralized and hopeless, And she came to the meditation training thinking it would be something for her. And she heard me say that meditation is about working with things as they are. And that opened everything up for her. Mm. You know, it's like Mm. she was stuck in hope and fear. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen Mm -hmm. I wish we could get more support wishing things could be different mm -hmm. and being afraid of what might happen being stuck in the past and the future hope and hope and fear Mm -hmm. and she reported back to us that she went back and she started teaching them all to meditate because this was a way for them to work with things as they are and it was you know very powerful Mm -hmm. so it seems that I'm not the one that's going in the jail or working with the, the cops or you know, the doctors, but I'm training the people to do that.
0: That's wonderful. So um, I remember at Om Yoga Center that you had mentioned your parents. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about your parents and the influence of your parents in your in your life path.
1: Well, my parents were kind of everything (laughs) to me, you know, only child. So I got a lot of attention. And I was just talking to a friend yesterday about how close I was with my dad and that he, you know, when you're an only child, your parents tend to just sort of take you with them everywhere. Mm -hmm. And my dad in particular would take me with him when he went to work. And he was a Protestant minister. His church was disciples of Christ and well, if you don't know what that is, it's ex- extremely liberal church, American Protestant religion. That's very liberal. So, you know, I mean, what the what the disciples of Christ are doing this these days are working with William Barber, who mm-hmm. Reverend Barber, who's running the Poor People's Campaign. And mm-hmm. I mean, they're just doing incredible work all over the country. So, you know, I learned those kind of values from my parents and my dad would take me you know, to see sick people and people that were shut in. And I just learned that that was part of the world, mm. you know, and it was very expansive in that way. And that the most important thing was to really, you know, stay connected to people and try to be kind and helpful. Mm. And I just saw it by sort of being, being there, you know, my dad was always picking up strays and bringing them home for dinner. My mother wasn't always happy about that, but <laughs> you know, Everybody was welcome. And my mom was a tailor. She just was really a good seamstress. So she taught sewing classes to blind people. Mm. I mean, can you imagine? Mm. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and then, and then she became a, you know, an executive at the Seattle center for the blind. And then when she got older, she started making pottery. So, I mean, they just were people that created their life, mm. you know, around their values and, were very engaged you know they weren't like nine to five so I think that you know shaped me a lot mm. and then one time after I started ohm, my parents were visiting and my dad observed the class and he said you're you're doing the same job as me uh-huh <laughs> which is like the best thing mm, ever you know
0: mm. and in your own way I mean in a, yeah in, in my own way very... because
1: by the time I was like seven years old, I, I was already an atheist, you know, (laughs) I went to church with my parents every week because it was, it was fun. And I liked, you know, I sort of liked the vibe, Uh but I told my dad by the time I was about 12, I said, I don't want to go to Sunday school anymore. And I don't like it. And I don't get it. And he said, okay, you know, that's amazing. yeah, because it was clear that I had a spiritual seeking gene from him. And we had so many deep talks about, you know, the meaning of life in the world and what is spirituality and and what is, you know, what does it mean to have your spirit moved and movement and emotion and dancing and all of this, you know, was our conversation for my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a huge loss when he died. But, you know, he went to see the Dalai Lama with me. He went to see Gallagher Rinpoche and Mm. he said, it's, it's all the same thing. It's, it's love and compassion, you know, Mm. it's all the same. There's just no need to be threatened or have these weird boundaries, you know? And I remember when I was pretty little and he, he had a big, big church in downtown Seattle and he had to go visit the big priest of the big Catholic cathedral downtown because they were planning their joint Thanksgiving you know, service, and he took me there, and the priest offered him some whiskey, I was like, wow, you know, and a cigarette, and, um, and, and was really nice, I mean, just like, you know, I met all these different people, even as a kid, that were just kind, and good, in all different, you know, showing up in all different forms.
0: Mm. I am, um, you know, at the beginning of the episode, I asked about meditation and mind, body and soul. And I really feel that compassion peace is mm-hmm. a spiritual mm-hmm. peace and that feeling of recognizing something similar in everybody that we come into contact with on the planet. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think that I, I learned a lot about that from my parents, too, because they came from pretty humble backgrounds, you know, not too much money or anything. And And so even as my father's career developed and they had, you know, more affluence, they never saw like, oh, we're um, up, we're above people Mm. and we're reaching down and helping them. It Mm. wasn't like that. It was just like, you know, we're just all in this together.
0: Mm. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. So I'm grateful. Yeah. For that.
0: I, I never forgot that. When you told me about your dad being a preacher and your mom being an artist, I was really, I I was like, oh, I totally get Cindy.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. And my dad came to Ohm and took a six week meditation class. That's amazing. That's amazing. And he was 75. And so he was very proud that he could get up and down off the floor and that he could stay awake for the whole class. Yeah, yeah. That's just amazing. (laughs) So, um, Cindy, what
0: do you have going on for 2020? Anything you want to share with the listeners?
1: Yeah, I'm excited about 2020. I'm doing several more meditation teacher trainings again at Kripalu, mm-hmm. like I did last year, and, and again in London. Um, and those were both great experiences last year. So we're doing it again. I'm going to be in Berlin, nice. uh, which is really cool and fun, doing uh, an immersion for teachers and some courses for everybody and various gigs around. I'm also working on a top secret book. Ooh, exciting! And um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and you know, keep it on, keep it on. Well, basically.
0: Good luck on all of those things next year. I look forward to keeping track of them all. Such an amazing life that you've had, and I'm again, I'm just really proud to be a part of the the legacy. So thank thank you. you.
1: Body Tonic Radio with Jennifer DeLuca
0: jasoncharles.net
1: jasoncharles.net
0: deep talk deep sounds
1: that was so deep